That was the uh, conspiracy theorist music girl. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to play some other of his songs today. I found him uh, when I was looking for a video. And I don't know why it came up under conspiracy theory, but his video is so badass. I had to share it. So there's a, there's a lot going around. A lot of information, misinformation, disinformation. But I think it's important that we uh, take a little sidestep and kind of understand how this war is coming and how it's happening. So today we're going to talk about things that nobody really likes to talk about, and that is, well... Are you ready? Are you going to be ready in a week, month, a year? When are you going to be ready to hear things and to actually do things? And many might say, well, what do you mean? Well, you'll see. Hopefully today uh, you'll understand a few things. Uh, people need to remember that, um, remember that the most powerful revolutions often, quite often, started in the shadows quietly. And then, oh, everybody began to dance. Everybody. And in the United States of America, Roosevelt said it best. Uh, we all descended from immigrants and revolutionists, right? And it's in our blood. So what we need to remember is um, a guy named Henry. Patrick Henry. Before we do that, I want to introduce you to the first secret agents of war. Now, I had Millie Weaver uh, use uh, portions of this, but I want to, I want you to listen to the first 10 minutes of this. This is pretty long, so we're only going to do about 10 minutes. OSS. Today, the letters conjure up cloak-and-dagger images of romance and intrigue in far-flung corners of the world. Trench coat rituals staged on foggy airfields and in murky cafes, where secret agents exchange microfilm for letters of transit. 
But in 1942, the letters OSS meant different things to different people. To an outsider, they stood for oh-so-secret, an enigmatic shadow organization of spies and saboteurs, the predecessor to today's CIA. To skeptical detractors, OSS stood for oh-so-social. Predecessor to CIA, did it ever actually shut down, technically? because it counted among its members the cream of East Coast society, sons and daughters of America's oldest, richest, and most influential families. The Astors, Mellons, Morgans, DuPont, Vanderbilt, Roosevelt. To those in military intelligence and the FBI, OSS meant amateur. Civilian dilettantes who got in the way, dabbling in the work of professionals. But to the line soldier ready to hit the beach or parachute into enemy territory, OSS often spelled the difference between life and death. Depending on the accuracy of the intelligence those amateurs provided, the daring men and women of the Office of Strategic Services. In July 1940, three weeks after France fell, leaving Great Britain as the last outpost of democracy in Europe, America had a choice to make. Back Britain's stand against the Nazis or right off Europe and pursue the path of isolationism that many U.S. politicians were calling for. Historians, mathematicians, cartographers, scientists, botanists, and anthropologists to create complete profiles of countries and terrain where the U.S. might be fighting. He was shocked at the lack of solid intelligence available from G2 and the State Department and came to rely heavily on his close association with William Stevenson, the head of Britain's secret intelligence service in North America, the SIS. Stevenson had been sent to this country by Churchill to energize the British Secret Intelligence Service in the United States and to do everything possible to uh, subvert German and Italian strength, business, commerce, not only in the United States, but also in Canada and throughout South America. Hmm. That's interesting. So what you saw was the OSS kind of an intro to their history, which showed that the people that were hired were actually scriptwriters, actors, public figures, and uh, with no specific talents. So that will be um, things that we should be talking about today. Uh, we should be talking about things like that, but we won't, not yet, because we should get into more important things, right? Like evaluating a movie and kind of thinking about it for a second. This is where we're going to take a hiatus. So now that you saw the OSS, who was hired, right? I want you to park that thought for a second. We're going to go a little bit ADD here. I want to show you a film that... Um, is a, this is a theory about a film 
called Prometheus. Prometheus, the film, uh, I wanted us to watch it on uh, Twitch as a watch party, but that means everyone has to pay for it because it's not free on Prime. Uh, So we can't. But I want you guys to see this theory. And so now that you've parked that information that you heard about the OSS, how it was created, it was never destroyed. And what it was, Vanderbilt's, Rockefeller's, J.P. Morgan's, right? The corporations, okay? The corporations. Now I want you to park that. And I want you to see this. And you're going to be like, it's not connected. doesn't matter. You won't see it now. You'll see it way later. But I just want you to listen to this theory. Is Prometheus the book of Genesis set in space? In the film Prometheus, life on Earth was created by a group of giant aliens known as the Engineers. However, the Engineers grew displeased with humans and created a version of the Xenomorphs, aka the aliens, to destroy us. At one point, archaeologist Elizabeth Shaw says, They created us, then they tried to kill us, they changed their minds, I deserve to know why. The why is simple. We failed them and killed those they sent to help guide us. The human species is a failed experiment that they want to end. The movie takes place in 2093, and we know that 2,000 years ago is when the engineers made the decision to destroy us. What significant event happened on Earth 2,000 years ago? The crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Perhaps Jesus himself was an emissary sent by the engineers to guide us. When humans even turned on him, the engineers knew we were irredeemable as a species and decided to destroy us. Sound crazy? Consider the Christian symbolism throughout the movie. Shaw herself is infertile, and yet she becomes pregnant with one of the aliens. And when does this birth happen? Christmas Day. The name of the planet itself is a clue. LV-223 corresponds to Bible passage Leviticus 22.3, which states that if people are unclean when they approach the sacred offerings, then they are cut off from God. The engineers are our gods. We became unclean when we sacrificed Jesus, their sacred offering. Now, we're being cut off from them. Jesus attempted to save humanity through self-sacrifice. When the engineer ship, which is full of aliens, is headed towards Earth to destroy us, Captain Janet and his crew sacrifice themselves to save humanity by crashing into the engineer ship. All three have their arms raised over their heads, with Janik elevated in the middle of his two crewmen, the exact same position as Jesus and the two thieves when they were crucified at Calvary. And it's not an accident that Shaw is wearing a crucifix for the entire movie. So if Prometheus was about Genesis, which is the creation of life on Earth, will the upcoming sequel be Revelation, the end of life? So that was an interesting spin right? An interesting spin on uh, how to digest that film. Uh, It's not free on Prime when it is. We'll watch it. But I thought I would share that with you after seeing that short clip of the OSS. Um, Just uh, park that too. Now, I want you to think everything in the news cycle right now seems to be recycled seems to be veiled in threats, demands, and submission. This is all we're seeing is that they're demanding that we submit, that we submit to their ways, that we submit to what we must say and do and act. They want us 
to submit. Do you want to be free? Then you must submit. Do you want to have a, have your freedoms? Then you must submit. This is what they're saying, that you have to submit in order to be free. What people fail to see is that they're already in shackles, shackles that have been forged <laughs> for many years now that are invisible and actually put on there by you. You put the shackles on. Listen to them. Demand subjugation. Something uh, much greater at stake now, and that is, again, keeping America open in the fall, keeping our schools open in the fall. It's time for Joe Biden. It's time for Democrats. It's time for serious Republicans to start ignoring the ground noise and start focusing on the signal. And the signal is this. If you're a school teacher, if you're a nurse, if you're a cop, you need to get vaccinated. And if you don't, you need to look for another job. China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. We want to see China rise. It is in our self-interest that China continue to prosper. They're not bad folks, folks, but guess what? They're not a they're, they're not, not they're competition for us. A rising China can be a significant asset for the region and the world, and selfishly for the United States. We want China to grow. What are we What are we worried about? So, what are we worried about? That our chains and our shackles are forged with Chinese steel that's invisible. What are we worried about? That we won't be allowed to do anything? What are we worried about? Hmm? We should be worried about all of that. We should be concerned at all of that. We should be concerned that there are people that are promoting that. We should be very, very concerned. You've been kept down. You've been pushed around. You've been lied to. You've been You can't buy a revolution. You can't, you can't create it. That's something that's impossible. You can't just make it up, right? You can't throw money at it. It's never going to happen. This is what they're trying to do. They're trying to force a revolution. No one can force a revolution. No one can make a revolution. You cannot buy a revolution. You can only be the revolution. It has to be within you or it's nowhere. That's the way it is. Because what we've seen is that they've created poverty. Poverty. 
And that creates crime. And poverty is the parent of any revolution. So by creating poverty, they were hoping that they could create dependency. But this has created more crime. And the crime and the poverty hand in hand, they've thrown money at it, trying to create dependency because of poverty and crime. But they forget that poverty is the parent of every single revolution there. And you have to remember, for decades now, there has been a very peaceful attempt for revolution, a peaceful attempt, but they are making it impossible to be peaceful. They are gloating in your face that you are shackled. They are gloating in your face that they can get away with this. So many of you post in the chat pictures of tweets that are all copy and paste. You get to see the fakeness. You're seeing the weapons that they used against you because make no mistake, these are weapons. <laughs> Shadow net is a weapon. They are weaponizing every single thing you use to simply work, exist, entertain, and accomplish tasks. They have weaponized it all. And they are making it so it is not peaceful. And then therefore, they make it a very violent revolution to be inevitable. I think JFK had said something very similar to that. That when you try, if you make a peaceful revolution impossible by the way you act, you are making a violent revolution inevitable. And at this point, it seems that those that are supposed to be fighting on our side are working against us. Man was born free. Man was born with free will and the ability to love, but man was also born to revolt. I mean, even in the Garden of Eden, there was a revolution. The biggest storms that ever hit the shores of Florida, right, these hurricanes, always started with one raindrop. The biggest blizzards, wipeouts, whiteouts that ever started began with just one snowflake. Just one. Not ten. One started it. Thomas Jefferson said, The people cannot be all and always well informed. The part which is wrong will be discontented in proportion to the importance of the facts they misconceive. If they remain quiet under such misconceptions, it is lethargy, the forerunner of death to the public liberty. This is what we have been doing as a nation. We have stayed silent and quiet under misconceptions. What country before 
ever existed a century and a half without a rebellion? (laughs) Answer that question. And what country can preserve its liberties if their rulers are not warned from time to time that their people preserve the spirit of resistance? Let them take arms. The remedy is to set them straight as to facts, pardon, and pacify them. What signify a few lives lost in a century or two? The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It is its natural manure. That was a letter of Thomas Jefferson. And that's... That's pretty big. That's pretty big. But what we've realized is, is that at the moment, they are taking all our liberties away. They are forcing people to put things in their bodies because they said so. You have no governance on your own body. If you do, Decide not to abide by their rules, by their laws, by their regulations. They will disallow you from being able to survive. This is just one step. You think it's all about a job, just one job, right? Starts with a job. Then it'll go to food, housing, and water. While everyone sits there, you may think this jab will save you. You may have received this jab. But by no means do not tell me that you call yourself an American that believes in freedom if you applaud, if you believe that every single person should get it and they must be forced to. That's communism. That's not freedom. Now, I wanted us to take a trip down memory lane through history because you can't, you can judge the future based on the past always, right? I want you to see what was acceptable a hundred years ago. What was acceptable? Okay, things that were considered completely normal about 100 years ago. Take a listen. Business were all very different 100 years ago, but not always for the better and frequently for the downright creepy, like arranged marriages for child brides. And that's just the start. Here are some creepy things that were considered normal 100 years ago. For most of history, a newborn baby was generally viewed as one part future laborer and one part old age insurance policy. Children were expected to work from a very young age, helping around the farm, house, or business. By the turn of the 20th century, as the economy evolved and urbanization continued, children were employed in a great variety of industries and trades. The U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics keeps track of these things. They say that, in addition to the traditional farming and agricultural field labor that they'd always done, 100 years ago, rural youth could also be employed in resource extraction. That means things like mining and breaking up and hauling coal. In coastal towns, you could find children fishing, shoring, shucking oysters, or canning. In cities and towns of all sizes, children were employed by mills and factories, making everything from glass products to textiles to kitchenware to cigars. 
The big cities had legions of children buzzing around as couriers, drivers, cleaners, newsies, and much more. Child labor was integral to just about every level of the U.S. economy, but the children themselves usually didn't even get to enjoy their wages. Generally speaking, society saw kids as an extra money-earning appendage of their parents. On January 17, 1920, after a decades-long effort to convince Americans that society would be improved by banning liquor, the sale of alcoholic beverages in the United States was made illegal. The teetotalers were wrong, though. America turned into a bizarre mirror of itself where the government tried to poison you, while cops and politicians took their orders from the Mafia and the KKK. Resistance to prohibition appeared immediately. Maryland flatly refused to enforce it, and many states and municipalities underfunded enforcement. Banning the production and sale of alcohol didn't diminish the desire, so naturally, a market emerged to supply it. And since alcohol was now a most profitable substance, bootleggers and mafia bosses who sold it had lots of money to bribe police officers, politicians, and judges. Did six months for pushing heroin a couple of years back. But you only did six months? I bought a judge. Police were openly corrupt, and since prohibition was largely driven by racist, anti-immigrant, and anti-Catholic attitudes, it helped fuel the Ku Klux Klan's resurgent terror campaign. Thirsty Americans risked prisoned by beer, and sometimes their lives. Homemade booze, sometimes referred to as bathtub gin, killed four times as many people during Prohibition than alcohol did prior to banishment. By 1926, these deaths were less accidental and more deliberate. Since much of the homemade liquor was distilled using industrial alcohols, the feds increased the amount of methanol, a deadly poison required to make those industrial alcohols. Famed humorist Will Rogers quipped that, quote, Governments used to murder by the bullet only. Now it's by the court. Yersinia pestis is a pretty famous bacterium. It has the greatest stage name ever, the Black Death. And it rocked the 14th century so hard that one-third of Europe died from its effects. Bubonic plague, however, wasn't just a problem for Europeans dead hundreds of years ago. There were over 1,000 cases in the U.S. during the 20th century. Bubonic plague is primarily transmitted by flea bites, specifically from fleas carried by rats. Rats that came to the U.S. aboard steamships bound for San Francisco in 1900. That city's Chinatown hosted the very first U.S. outbreak of the plague, and it scared California's leaders so much that they conspired to hide it from the rest of the country. San Francisco's mayor and the state governor, along with their willing accomplices and California's media and business titans, actually secured the collaboration of the Surgeon General of the United States in covering up the plague outbreak. At least 172 people died before the outbreak ended. The first 25 years of the 20th century saw over 500 cases of plague, and they would usually be in port towns. In 1920, Galveston, Texas was home to another outbreak. This time, the city acted quickly. The source of the disease was discovered, which, as always, was rats, and Galveston embarked on a two-year rodent murder spree that helped end the outbreak with only 11 dead. Healthcare wasn't a pleasant experience in the early 20th century. For women, it was worse. It will probably be of little surprise that women faced challenges entering medicine, but they were also excluded from medical research for a very long time. So long, in fact, that including females in medical research trials was only made mandatory in 2016. This exclusion probably contributed to the baffling diagnoses and treatments that women could expect. 
One popular 1907 book on pregnancy instructed doctors to prep pregnant women by bathing their lady part with bichloride, which is a highly toxic substance now used primarily as a fungicide. Male ignorance of women's medicine wasn't all bad. A popular treatment to the dreaded female hysteria, whose symptoms could basically be any behavior that men didn't like, purportedly involved doctors giving patients a pelvic massage until they were satisfied. As shown in the 2012 film Hysteria, a visionary hero eventually arose and invented an electromechanical treatment, which helped to lead to today's adult toys. Eugenics is the pseudoscientific theory that humans can consciously improve the species through racism. For decades, governments around the world tried to improve their citizens. Not their lives, mind you, but the citizens themselves. Eugenics is a breeding program for humanity, essentially an effort to breed ourselves into a better species. The president of the American Natural History Museum declared in his opening address to a 1923 eugenics conference that responsible governments should make sure the individual races stay in their place and not pollute each other through interbreeding. Those who proved unfit should be sterilized. In fact, the famous Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes had some very disturbing words to say when he voted to uphold several sterilization laws. It is better for all the world if instead of waiting to execute degenerate offspring for crime or to let them starve for their imbecility, society can prevent those who are manifestly unfit from continuing their kind. In all, 32 states passed some kind of eugenics law at some point. Eugenics was popular and considered progressive. Leaders of organizations like Planned Parenthood and the ACLU joined luminaries like Teddy Roosevelt and Alexander Graham Bell in supporting eugenics programs. California, with its high levels of anti-Mexican and anti-Asian attitudes, was particularly aggressive and successful. Over 20,000 Californians were sterilized in the 20th century. Healthcare might have looked scary for women 100 years ago, but mental healthcare was terrifying for everyone. It probably shouldn't surprise you that an era obsessed with science and new technology might produce psychiatric treatments that looked more like the work of sci-fi author Philip K. Dick than the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Treatment for mental illness was fashionable for eugenic supporters. States commonly prohibited marriage for individuals with mental illness or went one step further and sterilized them. Over 65,000 mentally ill U.S. citizens were sterilized until the last such operation in Oregon, which actually occurred in 1981. Schizophrenia could be treated with insulin shock therapy, where patients were given progressively larger doses of insulin, leaving them at high risk for brain damage. One New Jersey doctor thought mental illness was caused by untreated infections, and went on a 20-year spree of unnecessarily removing teeth, tonsils, and even organs from patients searching for the cause of mental illnesses. He killed 30 to 45% of his victims. But it wouldn't be the early 20th century without electricity and sexism. There was electroshock therapy, which induces seizures by electrocuting the patient. And that particular therapy is still practiced today, though not to the horrific levels of 100 years ago. And even as women fought for the right to vote, there were still doctors who went so far as to claim a direct connection between women's reproductive organs and insanity. This resulted in many women sent to asylums for obvious signs of insanity, which, like so-called hysteria in the 19th century, could be pretty much anything men didn't like.
Check out one of our newest videos right here. Plus, even more grunge videos about history. Are so what did you guys think of that? Did you know any of that? Did you remember any of that? Yeah. So that was normal 100 years ago. Also, 100 years ago in the 1920s, it was okay to... <laughs> to... <laughs> It was okay to beat people. It was okay to buy people. You know, um, I was I was telling um, my daughter over the weekend. Uh, you know, it would it would totally make sense if we um, all just bought a farm in this place that I want to. At some point, we should all save and just get a bunch of land and do it, and then we can have another family, you know, live rent free, um, pay them. And, you know, the, the job of the dad and the mom would be tending to livestock with us. Um, but they wouldn't have to pay rent or for food. They'd have everything. And you know what she turned around and said, she said, isn't that what they did to the slaves? I was like, damn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's what they did, but they weren't feeding them regular food. They weren't like saying, hey, here's, you know, the account card for, I don't know, Costco, go buy yourself whatever the hell you want to eat. They would give them rice and slop and leftovers. And they would beat them and kill them and they would sell them too. So there's a difference. And this comes from, you know, the way the education has been conveyed to children that, if you, you know, work and you get free housing and are fed, it's considered slavery. <laughs> when in fact, yes, it can be, but as long as you're not selling people or giving them slop, and as long as you're paying them too. I mean, it's not like, you know, the house is going to give them money for clothes. Obviously, you won't pay them, you know, I don't know what they pay farmhands these days, but they won't get paid the same amount um, as a farmhand that lives off the farm and doesn't have a home. Um, so it, you have to pay them a salary, though, because they have other expenditures uh, with children, a car, gas, right? Stuff like that. So um, I was, I was, you know, telling my, my girls, um, you know, I'm going to start saving and I think we should buy just a big piece of land and you guys can go do whatever you want and I'll stay on that land and I'll find some really good family with, you know, that may want to have a barrage of children so they can play and just, you know, chill and do my thing and do my radio until, you know, I'm gone. But we should be raising our own food. Um, not for me, but for my grandchildren. Um, the effects are going to be way later. And... Um, even though I'm the woman that loves the trash chute, I like the fact that I live in a building where I have access to public transport. This is for the now, but life um, is going to change. I don't know why people just want things to go back to normal. Was it normal that you were bound? Because you're not free. Anyone saying I refuse to not be free, is 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 kidding themselves you're not free you're not free you're a slave to whatever system they created and manufactured you are definitely not free
You have guns because they haven't taken them away yet, right? And the reason that they want to come and get your guns, and I've said this before, is because they're going to do shit that's going to make you want to shoot them. They're already doing it and tempting you. This is why they're not allowing for a peaceful revolution. They're not throwing their hands up in the air. Remember, all these people are over the age of 70. They're going to die now, right? Their life expectancy is not as high as yours or mine. Well, maybe mine <laughs> or, or your kids or your grandkids that haven't even probably turned up yet. And they're making decisions with one foot in the grave to ensure your submission to whatever king or queen they want you to. That's a fact. There is no freedom. You are not free. You are not allowed to know things. You are not allowed to read and write what you wish. You are, you are bombarded constantly, constantly with narratives, constantly with threats. Your food is poisoned. Your medications are poisoned. Your life is pure poison. Pure poison. Pure poison. You don't have anything to show for. Nothing. Now, while we go for a break, after the break, I'm going to play a song. During that song, I'm going to be terminating the other feeds. Obviously, YouTube terminated, helped on the termination themselves. <laughs> so YouTube terminated me. So we're going to take a quick intermission. But during this intermission, I want to share a video of acts of kindness so that you can remember some of these are so pretentious. Like, obviously, I didn't make this video, but there's just some of them, like, really that guy did something kind, whatever. But there are some real random acts of kindness to remind you that humanity is not all bad. Yay game. One of the Philadelphia 76ers cheerleaders was surprised by her boyfriend in a beautiful homecoming moment in which she didn't even know he was in the country. No, that he was in the United States. So needless to say, it was a big surprise. Uh, hats off to the 76ers organization. A probably very scary and anxiety-filled moment for a train passenger happened when he misstepped and got his leg stuck in the gap. And in a very touching humanity moment, everyone got out of the train to help him by pushing the train for him to be able to squeeze his leg out. Even though mountain goats are not the friendliest animals, when a cyclist noticed that a goat got his horn wrapped around a tree, he took the risk and decided to help the animal, and it was awesome to see when the goat finally managed to get free. Even though some people find bees to be scary, they usually never sting for no reason. When a Redditor found a tired bumblebee, she decided to give the bee some lavender, and it's amazing to watch the bee in action. During a football match in Houston, footballer Rachel Daly suddenly collapsed from what seemed to be a heat stroke, and all her teammates and even the opposite team went immediately to check on her, which was a very beautiful moment of sportsmanship and humanity. At the 2015 Rugby World Cup Finals, a young fan tried running towards his idol Sonny Bill Williams and got tackled by the security just a few feet away from him, 
And well, in a very kind gesture, Sonny decided to stop the security and give the fan his medal. When a DHL delivery guy went to deliver a package, he noticed that another package was delivered and left it in the open, which can be at risk of someone seeing it and stealing it, so he decided to hide the other package as well. During probably one of the most wholesome moments that happened at a concert, a daughter signs for her hearing-impaired father, so he can enjoy the music too. A beautiful moment to watch was when two high schoolers decided to give some clothes away to a classmate who was made fun of due to what he wears to school. They surprised him with a new pair of shoes, a shirt, and belt. Todd had been bullied at school because of his clothes. While the video of their heartwarming gesture has been viewed more than 15 million times. And well, the video of the generous act from the high schoolers went extremely viral and they were invited to the Ellen Show, in which all three of them were surprised by none other than Will Smith himself. Filming crews are usually just ordered to capture wildlife without intervening, but when they saw a group of trapped penguins that couldn't make their way up the hill back to their colony, BBC's Dynasty's crew couldn't resist and digged a path for them to go up and survive. They realized that they may be able to save at least some of them. So hopefully they'll just make their way back to the colony and their man, their chicks will have a much better chance of survival because there's no chance that they were going to survive down there at all. When a fighter was clearly winning the MMA match in the octagon, his opponent didn't even seem to be defending or reacting properly, and the referee wasn't stopping the match. And that's when the fighter decided to just tap out himself to avoid causing serious injury to his opponent. Pantaco, who's just teeing off, he's the guy delivering the beating. And he keeps it going, and then he backs off and taps out. When an undocumented immigrant, who decided to go to France for a better life, was walking down the streets of Paris, he saw a child about to fall from the balcony, and without hesitation climbed up to the fourth floor of the building to help him out. Everyone was so touched about the video that even the president of France saw it and offered him French citizenship for his exceptional actions. An amazing moment to watch was when footballer Neymar made a referee's day when he posed with him for a few pictures, and you can see it totally made the ref's day. An amazing gesture from actor Ryan Reynolds happened when a fan attempted to get a response from his idol by starting a thread called Day One of Tweeting Until Ryan Reynolds Answers. And well, he actually responded almost instantly by saying, Nailed it on minute one. Congratulations and wash your hands. When the wildfires occurred in Australia a couple months ago, many animals were left without a home. In a beautiful moment to watch, the Australian firefighter gave a thirsty koala a drink. When Belarusian tennis player Azarenka saw that her opponent twisted her ankle and was forced to forfeit the match, in a peak moment of sportsmanship and compassion, she started to console her opponent and even had a long talk with her after, telling her everything was going to be okay. Camaraderie that exists between tennis players, one of them is hurt. <laughs>
With around 3 billion people watching the World Cup that happens every four years, it's definitely a very big event. In the semi-finals of Croatia versus England, some firefighters were watching what was about to be the winning penalty kick, but emergency called, and without hesitation they all stood up and went to rescue. Some people often don't realize how their actions affect the environment around them. When someone threw a cheese ball tub into a lake, a swimming bear got his head stuck on the tub. Luckily for the bear, Brady and Trisha Hurt spotted the struggling bear and saved his life. Yes! Gotcha. Yes, go! We saved our little bear! Good job, buddy! When a driver made a gap to let a truck in, it was awesome to see the truck driver flashing his lights as a thank you. When a woman who was in a bad economic situation and had to sell a ring her mother gave to her for money, the jeweler noticed that the woman was bummed about having to sell it, so the salesman gave her the money for the ring, and gave her the ring back too, and the woman and her kids were in complete disbelief. An amazing picture to watch is when FSU football player Travis Rundolph spotted one of the kids sitting alone during his visit to a middle school, and that's when Rundolph decided to sit next to him. And the next day, the mother wrote him a letter explaining that her kid has autism and doesn't have many friends, so it made her kid's day. This is one day I didn't have to worry if my sweet boy ate lunch alone because he sat across from someone who was a hero in many eyes. At school today, all the kids wanted to have lunch with Bo. I'm a super... When a pregnant woman suddenly went into labor, the husband tried to stop some cars with no success, until a kind person stopped and helped him carry her into his car and drove the couple to the hospital. An amazing moment to watch was when a couple missed their garbage pickup time, and the sanitation worker actually went out of his way to take it to the area for the truck to pick it up. And the next time he passed, the couple gave him a $50 gift card as a thank you. When Amanda Skeels was in the beach in Florida, she managed to capture on camera an incredible act of kindness of two men risking themselves in order to save a shark who seemed to be stuck on the shore and couldn't get back to the water. At the peak of his career, Mike Tyson, also known as Iron Mike, had a punching power equivalent to dropping a 200-pound anvil from five feet high. So when he landed a right hand on his opponent, he immediately went to see if his opponent was okay, before celebrating the win. In a very heartwarming moment, a colorblind student was surprised by his teacher, who happens to also be colorblind, by lending him his glasses for him to be able to see colors for the first time. And once he put the glasses on, he immediately started to tear up from happiness. When this woman wakes up every morning, she goes outside to wave to the school bus that passes by every day. So the bus driver and the kids decided to do something special for the lady's birthday, and her reaction was priceless. When a runner lost her car keys during one of her daily runs, a random kind person noticed there were some car keys on the ground and placed many sticks around the keys for when the runner came back looking for them. She wouldn't miss them. Random acts of kindness. Well, okay, so here, uh, most of those were publicity stunts, obviously. Uh, but uh, humans are good.
They do come together, but the point is when? Are we not ready? Which one is it? Well, now um, we're going straight to that intermission song and <laughs> play another song from this guy that I just discovered. I totally love his videos. They're pretty awesome, actually. Um, and the song is called I Told You So. <laughs> so this is how we're going to start. While I disconnect from the other channels, make sure you make yourself uh, move over to Twitch, Trovo, and I guess Rumble still has me up. So here we go. One, two, three, four. I told you so. Remember when I told you about 9-11 Remember when I told you about Building 7 Remember when I told you about the fluoride in the water Yes I did Remember when I told you about the new world order Remember that Remember when I told you about the chemtrails in the sky? Remember when I told you that NASA was full of lies? Remember when I told you about the ultra mind control? Well, I just want to say that I told you so, yeah. Okay, so this guy is called the Conspiracy Music Guru. I freaking, <laughs> I love his, his, okay, he's, he's super fun, super fun. So here's where we're going to go today, because I think it's important that we have this talk. And I think it's important that we get into history and how it's definitely repeating itself. And how um, when President Trump spoke at the Turning Point USA um, event, the one thing that really hurt, and I, I, and I know a lot of people probably missed it too, was his uh, complaint of the censorship. And that came from both sides. And the fact that he's realizing now just how insanely deep the deep state is. I know that he knew. A lot of people knew. But as someone who has been to the very bottom of that trench uh, for a very long time, I can tell you, it's pretty widespread. And if you were to stand back and let people know the utter truth, most people would choose to just say, you know what, I'm not doing this. I can't. And see, that's a word that a lot of people have in their vocabulary. I can't. And this is why we need to dispel that. I can't. Because our nation has been at this point before. Our nation has. Obviously, without the same tools and weapons that they use today, right? Uh, today, they're very invasive. Uh, very in your face, and it's something that you just can't turn off easily. I mean, you can. Um, and the way you turn it off is by meeting in person with people. They can't invade you there, unless there's someone that's kind of just penetrating your group. But they can't invade you there. So for everyone that has been sending pictures, um, 
you know, showing little get togethers. First, it starts with two, three, four, and then it grows and grows and grows. And then you occupy a whole portion of a place. You can go somewhere safe. I mean, people do it to flash mob dance. You could do it to just all meet up in a food court at a mall while you can, or at a park. It's slowly but surely. The conspiracy theories, we've completely run out of them. I mean, there's just a couple of them still hanging around, but run out. So in history today, I wanted you guys to know that today, uh, in 1775, we actually had our first postmaster general, and that was Benjamin Franklin. Go figure. And not only that, there was an attempt at a counter-revolution in France, and it was put down by the National Guard in France. So speaking of that, how weird is this? French entering uh, the actual, <laughs> the Potier Town Hall, and they smashed and stepped on Macron's portrait and ripped it up and threw it out the window this Saturday. The French are revolting. The Germans are revolting. There's a revolution everywhere across the nation, and they're not telling you about it. People have decided to take matters to another level, whereas here in the United States, the same is happening behind the shadows, in the shadows. So it's important for people to understand that there is a lot happening around the world. It is literally on fire right now. On fire. On fire. Across the planet. I mean, even in Cleveland, we had Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. These are the people that are making decisions for us. These are the people. These are the people that make decisions for us. She comes to, to celebrate that no longer will the baseball team called Cleveland Indians. It will be called Guardians. The fuck. The fuck it is. You bend the knee to change words and definitions. You empower words to mean something else. Oh. The strongest storms always start with one drop. Always one drop. And that is how it goes. So let's remind ourselves of that time when there was a revolution afoot. And believe it or not, this is from Rebel Media. Pretty old. Take a listen. Give me eloquence or give me boredom. That's my slogan on March 23rd to commemorate this famous speech by Patrick Henry back in 1775 that ended with the ringing words, give me liberty or give me death. And to this, I would add, give me 
principle. It is difficult to overstate the impact of Henry's speech. It was to the Virginia Convention on the issue was should Virginia send troops to support the American Revolution. And he is speaking to a gathering so distinguished that it includes both Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. And when he finished this speech, according to Edmund Randolph, this illustrious assemblage sat silent for several minutes. A number of people afterwards said it was the most effective speech they'd ever heard in their life. George Mason said that when you listen to Patrick Henry speak, your passions were no longer your own. There was a man standing outside listening to it who, when it was over, said, when I die, bury me on this spot. And in 1810, they actually did. Now, Patrick Henry was obviously a very gifted speaker, but it wasn't just something that came upon him from on high, some strange reason that he could make anything sound like a salad recipe could move men to tears. It wasn't like that at all. Patrick Henry was as eloquent as he was because he was also an advocate of acting on principle. But he had given very famous speeches on behalf of some very famous writing 10 years earlier, as the American Revolution was brewing. He was the author and defender of the so-called Virginia Resolutions in 1765. And these laid out a series of propositions to guide the colonists in their confrontation with Britain over misgovernment in the 13 colonies. And they said such things as we have the same liberties as Englishmen back in England, because the colonists thought of themselves as Englishmen there. It's very important to understand the American Revolution was not a break with their British past. It was a determination to uphold their English liberties in the face of what they saw as an increasingly tyrannical government in London. Thus, the principle, no taxation without representation. One of the Virginia Resolves said, we cannot be taxed except by people we have elected. Why? Because that's how it's always been done in England. And it's a curious footnote to this, that despite all his eloquence, some there was one resolution that wasn't passed saying, and if we are taxed unjustly, we have the right armed resistance. But newspapers printed both those things that had passed and those that hadn't. So there was widespread impression that Virginia had, in fact, voted for armed resistance to tyrannical taxation. It, Patrick Henry was re regarded by a lot of people as a hothead. And in fact, he was a hothead. He was, he was given to extremes. But he was also a very moving and effective advocate for liberty because of the fact that he didn't compromise on principle. When he was accused back in 1765, people said that his remarks were treason, and he responded, if this be treason, make the most of it. We think he did. The record of some of this is, is not entirely clear. There were not television cameras at the time. Why did we need cameras? No, that they would accuse him of treason. Treason against the kings and the queens? That's fine. Treason against those that enslave you? That's fine. Treason against what? A reality they've manufactured that has enslaved you. <laughs> You're enslaved by your own reality. Is that it? I showed you that OSS video in the beginning to see that it was corporations and media that were hired. It is very important. And I think, you know, maybe I can find something to play in the background. I want to, I want to, read Patrick Henry's speech for you today. I'll see while he finishes up his statement on this, if I can find a good, like, subtle tune in the back. Because for some reason, it sounds really echoey to me. And it may, um, yeah. But what is clear is that Patrick Henry was always one of those urging his
fellows not to deceive themselves about what was happening, nor to compromise their principles for temporary convenience or ease. He was saying, we know what good government consists of. We are not seeing it in front of us. We must recognize what is happening and we must act on it. So by the time he stood up on March 23rd of 1775 to say that he thought that Virginia should send troops to, the to join the revolutionary cause, he had a long established record as a man of courage and of principle who drew logical conclusions from what he was seeing, not just about what men should think and say, but about what they should do. Can you imagine any politician today giving a speech so moving that somebody listening through a window would ask to be buried on the spot where they'd heard it? Now, admittedly, great oratory requires a great occasion, and great occasions are generally very uncomfortable. We wouldn't remember Winston Churchill if he hadn't led Britain at a time of hideous national peril that no sane person could possibly wish to come upon their nation. But is it not remarkable that the further politicians get from genuine conviction, the more appallingly dull and unmemorable and tedious their words become? Perhaps there's a lesson there, not just about oratory, but about clear thinking and bold action. I don't ever want to be faced with this choice between liberty and death, but I certainly would like politicians who can frame the choices before us in terms that clear and that compelling so that a Washington or a Jefferson would just fall mute with admiration. That's the kind of thing we have too little of, too little of that kind of oratory today because we have too little of that kind of principle. If you're enjoying this. So coming from a Canadian, that's pretty interesting since they still, uh, you know, bow down to a queen, uh, which is uh, pretty sad uh, because Canada should have been left to be. So, okay, let me see if I can make this pretty low. All right. Okay. Now I'm going to paraphrase his speech a little bit. So forgive me. All right, so this is his speech. Let me see, where is it? Okay, no man thinks more highly than I do of patriotism, as well as abilities of the very worthy people who have addressed their local Senate and House and their representatives. But different people often see the same subject in different lights. And therefore, I hope it will not be thought disrespectful to those gentlemen if, entertaining as I do opinions of character very opposite to theirs, I shall speak forth my sentiments freely and without reserve. This is no time for ceremony. The question here is at this one awful moment to this country. For my own part, I consider it as nothing less than a question of freedom or slavery. And in proportion to the magnitude of the subject ought to be the freedom of debate. It is only in this way that we can hope to arrive at truth and fulfill the great responsibility which we hold to God and our country. Should I keep back my opinion? At such a time, through fear of giving offense, I should consider myself guilty of treason towards my country and an act of disloyalty towards the majesty of heaven, which I revere above all earthly kings. My fellow Americans, it is natural 
for a person to indulge in the illusions of hope. We are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and listen to the song of that siren until she transforms us into beasts. Is this the part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty? Are we disposed to be of the number of those who having eyes see not and having ears hear not the things which so nearly concern their temporal salvation? For my part, whatever anguish of spirit it may cost, I'm willing to know the whole truth, to know the worst and provide for it. I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that is a lamp of experience. I know no way of judging of the future, but by the past. And by judging by the past, I wish to know what there has been in the conduct of those in the Senate, those in the House, the UN and globalist ambassadors for the last 10 years to justify those hopes which so many people have been pleased to solace themselves through the media. Is it that insidious smile where they receive your petition? Don't trust it. It will prove to be a snare to your feet. Suffer not yourselves to be betrayed with a kiss. Ask yourselves how this gracious reception of your petitions and grievances comport with those warlike preparations which cover our waters and darken our land. Are the fleets and armies of the UN necessary to execute a work of love and reconciliation? Have we shown ourselves so unwilling to be reconciled that force must be called in to win back our love and our devotion? Let us not deceive ourselves. These are the implements of war and subjugation. The last arguments to which kings resort. So I ask you what this martial array that they are bringing upon, if the purpose is not to force us and not to force us into submission, then what is it? Can anyone assign another possible motive? Has the UN any enemy in this quarter of the world to call for all this accumulation of their navies, their people, their armies? No, they do not. They're meant for us. They can be meant for no other. They are sent over to bind and rivet upon us those chains which the UN, the globalists, and the corporations have been doing for so long they've been forging them. And what do we have to oppose them? Shall we try to argue with them? Because we've been trying to do that for decades. Do we have anything new to offer on the subject? Absolutely nothing. We have held the subject up in every light of which it is capable, but it has been all in vain. 
Shall we resort to entreaty and humble supplication? What terms shall we find which have not been already exhausted? Do not deceive yourself. We have done everything that could be done to avoid and avert the storm which is now coming on. We have petitioned, we have remonstrated, we have supplicated, we have prostrated ourselves before their thrones and have implored its interposition to arrest the tyrannical hands of those that lie in seats of power within our nation. Our petitions and grievances have been slighted. Our remonstrances have produced additional violence and insult. Our supplications have been disregarded, and we have been spurned with contempt from the foot of their throne. Oh, Pelosi. In vain, after these things, we may indulge the fond hope of peace and reconciliation. There is no longer any room for hope. If we wish to be free, if we mean to preserve, inviolate those intestimable privileges for which we have been so long contending, if we mean not basely to abandon the noble struggle in which we've been so long engaged and which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our content shall be obtained, we must fight. I repeat, we must fight. An appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left to us. They tell us we are weak, unable to cope with such a formidable adversary. But then I ask, when will we be stronger? Will it be next week, next year? Will it be when we're totally disarmed and the UN guard is stationed in every house? Should we gather strength by resolution and inaction? Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs and hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemies shall have bound us hand and foot? We are not weak if we make proper use of those means which God of nature hath placed in our power. The millions of people armed in the holy cause of liberty and in such a country as that which we possess are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations and who will raise up friends to fight our battles for us. The battle is not to the strong alone. It's to the vigilant, the active, the brave. And besides, we don't even have an election. If we were base enough to desire it, it is now too late to retire from the contest. There's no retreat but in submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. Their clanking may be heard on the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable and let it come. I repeat, let it come. 
It is in vain to extenuate the matter. People may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war has actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand here idly? What is it that you wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Now that was his speech. Kind of sounds like stuff happening here. Um, I have to say, how do we avoid October? How do we avoid what's coming? Because they've taken it up a notch. They've taken it up a notch demanding that people submit. Don't you know, talking about a revolution sounds like a whisper. Don't you know, talking about a revolution sounds like a whisper. While they're standing in the welfare lines, crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation, wasting time. In the unemployment lines, sitting around, waiting for a promotion. Don't you know, talking about a revolution sounds like a whisper. And it cannot be a peaceful one if they're forcing it, right? Because that's what they're doing. They're forcing it. They are literally forcing a revolution. And if you heard what the president said, you would hear it. Because right now, all your media, those talking boxes that you believe are, you know, on your side are all talking about liberals and what liberals are saying and how they're doing and how terrible. But what they're not pointing out is the sad fact that in a crisis, the Constitution has gone up in flames, that you no longer have rights. You're no longer allowed to have sovereignty over your own body for the welfare of others. Soon you'll be wearing sunscreen every single day to protect other people on the beach too. This is how insane it is. You are not getting news. And I'll tell you what, here's where you're going to get really upset, right? <laughs> so um, history is very recycled. I've said this before. I'm going to put this picture up. We all know this amazing picture, right? The one on the bottom, at least most of you know what it is. I am going to leave that on there before I tell you who the picture at the top is. So history tells you a lot of things. In 1821, a little country called Greece was really pissed. They were part of this grand empire, a global empire, the Ottoman Empire that spread throughout all the Middle East and uh, Eastern Europe and had taken, you know, parts of Asia. It was massive. Everyone was under their control. It was like the UN, only a smaller version. 
And so the United States at the time was quite an infant as a nation. As, as you see, uh, George Washington depicted here crossing the Delaware. Well, right on top, you see, there's a woman painted in the same type of boat. So weird, right? That woman was actually a self-proclaimed admiral. She created her own private army. She was born on um, May 10th, 1771 in a prison because her father was a revolutionary, refused to, uh, you know, sell his children, refused to abide but whatever the sultan or whoever was in charge was doing. And so this woman grew up and decided to um, create her own private army with people. She called them her boys. And um, she came from this island called Spetis. Her name was Bubalina. This is a painting of her. Kind of really identical, isn't it? She actually raised the flag. Do you know what the flag's uh, motto was? Give me liberty or give me death. So weird. So weird, isn't it? How history seems to depict the heroes in their revolution in the same pictures with the same words. So... In 1821, when the Greeks decided to revolt against this, you know, globalist Middle Eastern, North Africa, Asia block, right? They, um, when they when they decided to revolt, uh, you know, the British crown was upset. Fuck, why are these Greeks causing a problem? They should just shut up and deal with it. And they were tired of being slaves. They were one of the greatest empires. And suddenly they were subjects of some random Persians. And they had no idea, you know, what's <laughs> why this was allowed for 400 years. Uh, and as long as they paid taxes, which were unfair taxes, right? Um, kind of sounds familiar, right? The, the nations decided to break off, kind of like the colonies, because Greece was a colony, Italy was a colony, Albania was a colony, all those places were colonies of the Ottoman Empire. So they broke off. And the United States and, you know, Britain uh, obviously were not in very good in a very good place. The revolution had already taken place in the United States. And people were just like, oh, man, why are these fuckers like now doing something, Right. So in the end, it was the Russians that helped the Greeks, you know, um, because that helped the Russians take portions of the Ottoman Empire, like Georgia and Ukraine and, you know, the other areas there. So this kind of feels like the same story keeps happening every hundred or so years, right? 50 years. There's always a revolution somewhere. And it's constantly being done as if humanity wishes to self-extinguish themselves. That's how it feels. It's like a cycle that you can't break out of. You're constantly doing the same thing, expecting a different result. It's pure insanity, pure insanity, complete insanity. Because let me, let me show you, let me show you what your supposed news are telling you today. Some of them haven't updated their YouTube channels, but let's look at Fox that has. They're telling you about, they're putting Candace Owens, who married a British. <laughs> She's telling you, 
Oh my gosh. This is so crazy. This is so crazy. She's telling you how liberals are destroying America, right? Then we have protesters about the Cubans uh, down at the Cuban embassy, Freedom for Cuba. This is where questions that this media channel that is supposedly on your side should be asking, wait a minute, didn't the Biden administration, especially Hunter Biden, you know, the then VP, now president's son, actually create the Internet that they turned off there? Can we talk about Cuba a little bit? Nope. Instead, they're just showing all these protests. Then France is supposedly alleged warning over Wuhan lab. Then we're still talking about these idiots that, you know, postured for the media. These were all, all of these are clickbait. Whatever you're watching is clickbait. Complete clickbait. This has nothing that is helping you. Nothing in here is helping you be able to find information to help your future. Here's Newsmax. Olympics. Failure. Oh, maybe because of the anthem kneeling and stuff. It's a no. Because it's just like New Year's Eve ball drop. It's a Chinese UN slash thing. I mean, come on. It's terrible. Look at what they're showing you. It's all like they're all getting the same memo. They want to talk rhinos. They want to talk. What? We don't want to talk anymore. We want to do. We don't want to talk. We want to do. Where's the doing part? How many of them are actually doing something? How many of them are doing anything? None of them are doing anything. None of them are doing anything. This is where you're stagnant. This is where you're letting them. Why are we letting them do nothing but sit up there and tell us lovely words? Yeah, we already fucking know the liberals are taking the narrative. They're changing definition. We know this. Why are you repeating this? Oh, just in case someone needs to, you know, hear this and, and, and wake up. Don't worry. We'll do that for them. Next. Where is the action, right? We saw McCarthy act. He got smacked down. Instead, <laughs> instead, <laughs> we got the snakes and sheep clothing to go forward. Where's the action? How do we action things? Everyone is telling us what patriots they are. Where's the action? What are we doing about it? Where's the action? Hmm? You know, I have to say that the Tory says plush chat ruined Ali Akbar's announcement because now he can't remove telegram chats from his live. So he won't even do a live. Why? Because you are holding them accountable. You guys went in there and held them accountable. Every single one of them hold them accountable. When they tell you, come to my event, say, why? What action are you doing? Are we just going to talk about it some more? Should we just, you know, sit here and talk about it some more? Where's the action? Where's the action? Well, what kind of action should we see? Right? Do we need to take up arms? Not really. Not yet, that is. <laughs> Unless they come first. I don't see any action in arms yet. What is it that we need to do? What is it that we need to do? Where's the action? You know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, this person interviews all these nice people, but he deleted that interview and then he had an interview and he said, oh, I shouldn't have deleted it. Let me tell you something. The minute you delete one, the minute you go back on it, it's all about the money and it's not because you were wrong, right? It's not because you were wrong. Because if you were wrong, you'd be like, look, I deleted it. I made a mistake. It won't happen. Whatever. Shut up. No. It was all about the money. 
all about the money, all about the money. No matter where you want to take it, it's all about the money. That's where it hurts. Money, 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 money. It freaking hurts. And I'll be happy to let you know that soon an amazing attorney is going to be providing me a massive war chest. And all the lawyers that are working together, thank you. Um, thank you. Because this is going to be insane. We need action. We got to get action. You've been doing action. You've been putting stickers out. You've been putting billboards out. You have been in their chats holding them accountable. I mean, Ali Akbar didn't even turn up for a stupid announcement. He's got no announcement, right? Any single person that tells you, let's talk about it, and not arming you with some knowledge or some information that can help you in this war is useless. It is completely useless to sit here and talk about things. I mean, obviously, a lot of them are variety shows. But the question that you should ask yourself is, we are in an active revolution right now. Active Think, for over a century, the masters, which are in the House and the Senate, lately, I guess, the past decade for those idiots and clowns that are in there, they haven't even heard your voice for generations. And you have got to be more louder. You got to be so loud that they care to remember your voice. This is how loud you have to be. And the only way to make sure you're heard is by constantly sending emails, making phone calls, sending letters, getting together, putting up stickers, flyers, billboards. This is how you do it. There is no time for stupid shills and idiots that want to sit there and create variety shows. Well, I'm delivering you the news. No, you're not. You're giving fake news. Where's the real news? Tell me where the real news is. Who's talking about HR1? Who's telling you about the actual atrocities that are going around the world? Nobody's telling you these things. They're giving you information that you think is important. Yes. Human trafficking, important. Child trafficking, important. All that stuff is important, but it's not important now. While you're focusing on, oh, let me see, how do they human traffic people, right? While you're focusing on that, <laughs> they're putting on bigger bolts on the shackles you wear, right? That's all. Bigger shackles. Every single person out there is not providing you information that you can use useful information where is the useful information how do we actually get things done do we need to do what they do and pay for a revolution because they're paying for one antifa all these sunrise movements all that they're paying for a revolution they are instigating uh, because all they need you to do is to do one thing and get really pissed off and walk in there, guns blazing. That's it. The UN's here. It's over. Game over. So how do you fight a war that you know that you are being provoked with?
This is what you need to, how do you fight a war that you are being provoked with? Again, you are still free on paper and anything that freaking, it's not him. I said it face off. President said it too. Totally not him. Since you're free on paper, why aren't you using it? They don't listen to one, but they listen to 20 or 200 or 2000. There's so many of you out there. We're focusing on the wrong things. We should focus. In order to see your future, you must understand the past. The past proves the future. You don't have to be a time traveler like me to know how things go. The only thing you have to do is focus on what you can do. You don't have to be a juggernaut. You don't have to be, you know, a super spy. You don't have to be a coder, a hacker. You just got to be a citizen, an active citizen. And that's basically it. You know, we should do a campaign where we write a letter. Mm, but you know what? It's the Biden administration, so they won't listen. I have to think of who we can write it to, where they would actually make use of it. I'm thinking. I'm thinking, trying to remember, actually, how it was seen. Because this was done in August, have to think. But I'll remember. I, I'll remember. I've just been uh, off my game um, with all of these things going on in my life. But guys, say a prayer for the one lawyer putting his face forward and all the lawyers behind him um, because they, they need our prayers right now. Um, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out to make it simple and easy. Um, we'll figure it out. It'll be something repetitive, but it has to be concrete paper where it can be quantified, right? Again, the world is completely on fire and we are not getting any of that information. That's what's terrible. The terrible part is no one is giving you that information at all. They don't want you to see that information. Many of you are escaping into trying to understand how to wake up. And the thing is, if you're here, if you're listening, if you're understanding any of this, then you're already awake. You don't need to further wake yourself yet. What you need to do is focus on what you can do with that awakening that you have. Because I can't believe, you know, Patrick Henry actually said, people with ears that hear not and eyes that see not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was so awesome. And here we are again, years later, going through the same thing. Non-active citizens in this sleepy lull, a sleepy lull of just obedience. So many of you believe that you're free and, and you're not. You're anything but free. You must pay taxes. You must have this. You must have that. You must say this. You must do this. You must do that. You Why? Why? Why must you? Why must you? Now, the VA, the Veterans Administration, right, is demanding... That all the employees put something in their body.
in what universe would any God-fearing, American-loving individual that has taken an oath say that's okay? If I believed the vaccine worked and I was infatuated with it, right? Like I love the vaccine so much. I got it every single day, every single day. I went and got vaxxed because I believed it was going to work. I still would not mandate anyone to put that shit in their body if they don't want to. Because that's what is the difference between being free and a slave. When you can't even have sovereignty over your own body. And I cannot believe that they use the VA first. Because if the EVA bends the knee, the military now is being tested. It's being tested. It is sickening to watch this, that there is no freedom of choice, that there is no freedom, period, that we are slaves. <laughs> the minute they can tell you, you have to put something in to keep somebody else safe. It's, it's a snowball effect. Then you've got to eat this because we need to keep this safe. Then you've got to drink that because we said so. And you've got to live in this house because we said so. And you need to eat shit because we said so. <laughs> it never ends. This is a nation that believes in freedom. Where's the freedom when they can tell you what to put in your body? How are you free soon? People are picking a side. The media has done so. They've already chosen. They want to survive. They believe that if they play by the rules that they'll let them live. Listen, it's like feeding a freaking crocodile and hoping it eats you last. It's going to eat you fucking first. For anyone that has betrayed their own people to supposedly survive... <laughs> You'll be the first eaten if the Patriots don't get to you. Oh, which, by the way, the word Patriot is now considered a racist term. Oh, wait, no, an extremist term. So you have to be careful, right? You have to be careful of what you say. People took an oath, and this is what they're doing? Absolutely fucking nothing. And I see my president out there tired Use to bring in money. Disgusting turning point. Disgusting. Disgusting. My president didn't even want to be there. But he went there because he's like, whatever. People need to hear him, but not through there. I need my president to do like a daily cast. I think we should ask him to do a daily vlog where he just gets on his phone and says, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. Because you know what? Fuck's sake, he's the president. He commands it all. The GOP is dead, right? He doesn't even need to endorse anyone in the GOP. He just needs to endorse a person. We don't give a shit what party he's at. He could be a Democrat. He could be a Republican. We really don't care. He could be a nothing party. Hear him for yourself. And also, one of the most corrupt places from a voter standpoint or another, along with Detroit and some others, one of the most corrupt places... But he found and he wanted to investigate all of this, but the Attorney General Bill Barr ordered him to stand down. And McSwain wasn't the only one. And McSwain is very angry about it. Then Bill Barr went out and said there was not fraud in the election of any consequence. 
Look at the numbers I'm giving you today. Look at the numbers. And you know, we need two large ones or three small ones. We have many, many to look at, but we're two large ones. But in other words, we're right there. So it is of consequence. It's only because, it's only because sadly, he just didn't look for fraud. When that letter came out from McSwain, that was a sad day for this country. Sad day. And I was wondering because he was all excited. McSwain was all excited. He was going to go in there. Then one day it was like, he, it's like somebody died. There was no more excitement. He was told not to do it. One day I noticed that the fake news media was calling Bill Barr a puppet of Donald Trump. And he wasn't a puppet at all. They had a picture of him with strings where I was totally controlling him. Just not true. They were saying that Bill Barr you have to go against him, Bill Barr. Then they started saying they were going to impeach him. And they were what's called playing the ref. You know what that is? They're doing it with the Supreme Court, too. They're nasty. You see, now again, they want to impeach Kavanaugh. Not that they want to impeach him. They want to scare the hell out of him so he votes along the liberal lines. Because if he votes along the liberal lines, they're playing the ref better than the great Bobby Knight of Indiana ever played the ref. Remember with the chair and the this. They said, Bobby, Bobby, you're not going to win that call. He said, yeah, but I'm going to win the next one. That's what they're doing. The great Bobby Knight, who was one of our great endorsements, I will tell you. When Bobby Knight endorsed Trump, Indiana was, we were doing well there before. You had to see after. Bobby Knight, he was, that's a piece of work. But he said, it may not work this time, but it's going to work the next time. And the refs were afraid to say anything. It's true. That's what they're doing with our Supreme Court. They're trying to scare Kavanaugh. They're talking about an impeachment. I just saw it again this morning in the paper. They want to impeach Kavanaugh again. It's not that they do. They want him to rule for them. And if he rules for them, they're never going to impeach him. There's not, but if he rules against them like he's supposed to because he is a conservative, then. but they also don't want to have a packed court. So they're saying, we're going to pack the courts. We're going to pack the courts. And they did the same thing to Barr. They said, Trump controls him. I, as soon as I saw that, I said, here we go. Because how does he get out of that? Very simply, just do things like the vote wasn't rigged. And he stopped them from doing it. And I'm so saddened by it. But I also understand it because nobody does it better than these crooked Democrats. Nobody does it better. So I don't blame Barr. I don't blame a lot of people. But they become weak and they become ineffective and they become frightened. Like it or not, we are becoming a communist country. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. We are beyond socialism. You know, when you have no press, when you have no press that you can talk to, that's how a communist country begins. They have no press. We find things in Arizona and other than a couple of great networks, we have no press. We have no voice. I only have voice because I get great ratings. You know, ultimately ratings are very important. But even those lights, what a heck, they still have those lights going. That's good. I'm very, I'm very impressed. That's good. Thank you. And if the Democrats get some of the things they currently want passed, including the Election of Corrupt Politicians Act, an infrastructure which isn't infrastructure, it will get even worse. What they're asking for is incredible. The Green New Deal is going to destroy our country, this Green New Deal. So he's telling you himself, we 
are a communist nation. He realized that those media outlets and those media personas or influencers fuck shit up. They legit thought that they can use Operation Truth to their advantage. They fuck shit up. He can see it. And he's like, damn it. The only voices we have are the ones that they're ostracizing. He knew that. I knew that. We, we all knew that. And he's pretty much telling you, this is communism. This is what's happening. This is a fact. This is how, you know, for a couple of networks that give you coverage, they're just throwing coverage because they're allowed to. You're supposed to show two sides because you can't just have it all saying the same thing because then it's too obvious. We think OAN is on your side. Shut the fuck up. Newsmax, shut the fuck up. They've got real people in there that care about their country, but the networks themselves exist to create the illusion that there is a counter answer to the propaganda. All right? That's fact. So bottom line is we have no media. We are the news. There is no other news but you. This is like Paul Revere shit. It's on you. Don't wait for your stupid decoders. Don't wait for your influencers. They're not going to help you. Okay? They're not going to help you. <laughs> They're not going to help you. None of them are. They give you truth. Right? To make it look like you have a choice. To make it look like, look, we're not stifling free speech. Yet... <laughs> You're putting on the same idiots that repeat the same shit over again. Rather than listening to the people, you're listening to people you think people listen to. Nobody gives a fuck what any of them have to say. I don't care what XYZ has to say. I don't care what this says. I don't give a shit about that organization. I don't give a shit about that one. You know what I care about is me, my community, and my people. <laughs> and many of you tell me, well, you know, for optics and stuff, we're only going to allow, fuck you. That's how it goes. <laughs> and that's how it should be. Every one of you should be thinking the same freaking way. Every single one of you. President was saying it in a nice way. It's green new bullshit, okay? That's what it is. It's bullshit. That's what's up. No more windows in buildings because environment. You know, I always did great with these buildings. I, the bigger the window, the better I did. The bigger those windows. I wanted floor-to-ceiling windows. But they say you can't do that anymore. We don't want any more windows. It's going to be real hard to sell apartments, I think. We have a beautiful apartment, and for environmental reasons, we have not put windows in the building. Oh, great. Well, that sounds good. These people are crazy. Whatever happened to cows? Remember, they were going to get rid of all the cows? They stopped that. People didn't like that. Remember? You know why they were going to get rid of all the cows. People will be next. People will be next. Sadly, even in many red states, the rhinos are... Did you hear him? They wanted to get rid of the cows. People didn't like that. But people will be next. Letting the radical left have their way on everything. You know that. In, in fact, I have to say this. In many cases, these weak Republicans or rhinos, these weak Republicans are worse... They're worse than Democrats. And you have a couple of examples right here in Arizona. And don't nod and don't say it because I don't want to get you in trouble. Maybe you can convince them to do what's right. But you have a couple of them right here in Arizona and nobody knows. And I'll tell you what, 
They're going to be defeated. As sure as you're sitting there, they're going to be defeated in the primaries by real Republicans. And it's not so far off. You have secretaries of state certified election results that were highly inaccurate and even fraudulent. They're certifying elections where the numbers are fraudulent. You have poll watchers, as I said, who are illegally blocked from vote counting in Philadelphia, Detroit, and many, many other cities in certain areas. There were more votes than there were voters. Think of that one. That was so easy, you know? You say all these different things. A lot of people talk about the machines. I say, you know what? Too complex. You don't need them. It's so many different forms. They cheated in so many different ways. You don't have to get complex. You don't have to be a great scientist from MIT. They cheated in so many different ways. People were caught on camera illegally running ballots multiple times through voting counting machines. And remember, I am not the one trying to undermine American democracy. I'm the one trying to save American democracy. I'm trying to save it. I'm going to tell you something. He didn't want to be there. He did not want to be there. And I make him right. But then on the other hand, <clears throat> he can't come on the Tory Says Show. <laughs> that would be terrible for him. It'd be terrible for me, too. Wouldn't be able to go on the Bergy bit either. Would be terrible. He has no outlet. That's why I say she, he should create his own. <laughs> Hell. <laughs> he gets his own little vlogcast where he just posts video of himself talking. <laughs> That's it. We don't need anybody. We need one person sequestered, right, as the face. And that's what we have, President Trump, who doesn't give a shit. <laughs> and that's it. We don't need any media. Oh, all these people care about is money. All these people care about is their ability to survive. They don't give a shit if you survive or not. I'm going to tell you something. If you actually saw your enemy, like as a one, like one picture, right? I'll make it easy for you just so you can see how overwhelming it is. Uh, look at the North American continent. Uh, no bad example. How can I? Hmm. I'm going to give you a big jar of jelly beans and there's only one black jelly bean in it. That one black jelly bean is not your enemy. That's how big your enemy is from all facets, right? We're not talking about, um, we're not talking about politicians only. We're not talking about just the corporations. We're not talking about only that. There are so many layers that if you peel it back at the core, it's a naked you. They have smothered you with lies, obfuscation. I mean, you guys really think Fox and Newsmax or a news outlet or OAN? Come on. They're all just pretending to give you news. They give you a little bit of news to keep that false hope that they're out there fighting for you. They're not fighting for shit. They don't give a shit about you. They don't. It's big bullshit. Lie. Done. Finished. End of story. That's it. That's it.
you as one person. Now picture yourself right in front of you. It's just a naked you. You've got pharma corporations. They want a piece of you. Health corporations, piece of you. Media corporations, retail. You name it, they want a piece of you. How much of you are you going to give? Well, let me tell you something. You already gave it. It's just you realizing you gave it and now you want it back. And all they're doing right now is instigating so that you do exactly what they want. That one person's going to snap and that one person really has to be just an average Joe American. They want one person. They don't give a shit about you. None of them do. So hopefully the president will start his own little vlog cast where he'll just be saying 10 words a day to us um, just to let us know that he's good and bypass all the media. We don't need the fucking media. I mean, you can't even do rumble right. I'm paying rumble for my videos to be broadcast and they have like this thing. Do you know that my videos are more viewed than other videos, but the other ones are at the top again. It's all about money, circle jerking, and their friends. Has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with the news. They're just going to give you crazy obfuscation, crazy rabbit holes, rather than give you straight truth. You know, Patrick Henry said the uh, he has one lamp by which his feet are led. I'm going to tell you what mine is. Mine is truth. End of story. And I have to thank Patrick Berge for actually smacking me in the face with that at some point in, in, in January after meeting, he, he actually, <laughs> you know, when I was like, fuck it, Patrick, let's, let's, let's do an operation to counter all their operations. He was like, only operation we should be using is truth. And I was like, well, we're telling the truth, but maybe we can like use it. And, and he's like, take your hat off. No. And I thank him for that. Cause it was at that moment that I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's move with, you know, let's do something. And the other person was like, all right, what do you guys need? And Patrick just looked at me. He's like, no. And I was like, damn it. So I thank him for that. Even though the operation would have been based in truth and it would have been fixed faster. <laughs> truth is a dangerous weapon. It can cut through any bullshit. Not only that, when you're armed with truth, you are a true existential threat. And you, the people, are an existential threat. They don't want you awake. They don't want you to be able to even speak. Do not raise your hand. That is how it is. They don't want you raising your hand. Nothing. So I'm going to end today's show, but first, uh, I'm trying to get something up for you guys. Give me a second. I'm trying to get something for you to watch. That was sent to me. Give me a second. Let me put it up for you so you can watch this before we head out for today. Let me get this up and going. Where is it? Um, damn it. Give me a second, guys. All right, let's see if that worked. And I, do I see it? Yes, I do.
here we go. Let me open that for you guys before we, uh, I can't, I can't open it for you guys because it's not letting me. I guess I'll have to share it tomorrow. Um, because this computer is funny. It doesn't want MOVs. It wants MP4s. Maybe it'll work like this. Nope. Has to be into MP4s. It doesn't matter. I'll do it tomorrow. On that note, guys, um, thank you for being patient with me. I've been, I have not worked at all. My phones have been parked in drawers. I look at them occasionally. Um, I'm just really feeling blue and down. Um, you know, not just because I, I lost my puppy, which was all of a sudden, which is better than anything else. But, um, you know, knowing that my, my other puppy's on its way out too is not a good feeling. And remember, kryptonite to their lies and their fakeness, this manufactured reality. Truth is their kryptonite. You, the people, are their kryptonite. Remember that. Knowledge is power. And boy, knowledge fans the flames of truth from a flicker to a blinding light. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Well, I took a walk around the world to ease my troubled mind. I left my body laying somewhere in the sands of time. But I watched the world flow to the dark side of the moon. I fear there's nothing I can do. Yeah. I watched the world flow to the dark side of the moon.